From the Freedom HealthWorks Network, this is Healthcare Americana. Today's guest is Jason Rutz, Partnership and Outreach Director for Freedom HealthWorks. You go through the traditional healthcare system and you have to really jump through hoops to see a doctor. And you're typically probably going to see a doctor that doesn't know you very well. And they, they don't have the time to listen to you and, and understand exactly what the problem is. And I always thought this was the fault of the doctor back in my insurance days, but I found out this isn't the fault of the doctor, it's the fault of the system. But traditional doctors just don't have enough time. They just write a script because that's all the time they have because they have right. patients that are backing up. And they have administrators breathing down their necks about their visit times and all kinds of other garbage that they have to deal with besides being a doctor. And now, here's your healthcare Americana host, Christopher Habig. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Healthcare Americana, the podcast that is getting to the root of what healthcare really means. I'm your host, Christopher Habig, and today's guest is Jason Rutz, Partnership and Outreach Director of Freedom HealthWorks. Jason, thanks for joining us. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. No problem. What we wanted to talk about today is your experience working with Freedom HealthWorks, a very DPC-friendly company. Um, that has DPC at the core of its mission and what it's trying to do in the world. And then your story and your experiences as a DPC patient, joining a practice, how you use it, what kind of relationship you have with your physician, and then all the good things that you get from that. So that's going to form the basis of, of today's discussion here. So let's jump right in. Tell us a little bit about your background, because working within the direct primary care industry uh, is not the first time that you've been in what a quote unquote healthcare industry. Yeah. I, I mean, I came from the other side, which is the insurance side, the dark side. Yeah, you can say that, <laughs> I, you know, I kind of stumbled into insurance. I, did, I had no intention of going into insurance and it's not really the most attractive, I guess, field to be in. Um, but when I was in college at IU, uh, I interned with Aflac and it was kind of an opportunity for me to give me an opportunity to get my feet wet and see what was out there. I mean, uh, you know, Aflac is uh, kind of a an interesting player in kind of the space where uh, it's not really insurance; it's more of a uh, I forgot what the, what the term is, but they do a lot of short term type of plans, uh, gap plans. Yeah, but they basically pay cash to the individual. So, so uh, like if there's a, a cancer diagnosis or something like that, then they basically just pay out cash. There's a, there's a certain name for that, and I can't think of it right now. It was a long time ago. It's okay. It was a long time ago, and I had a lot more hair that uh, <laughs> to keep my brain warm, I guess. But uh, you know, it, it was my kind of my first foray into sales too, and going out there and talking to people about uh, about a solution. And I had some really interesting experiences there. I had some experiences that I kind of I built upon, I guess, in my later career. But that you know that got me licensed in life and health insurance, which is again super exciting. But when I graduated college, you know, I was really kind of contemplating whether or not to stay in the Chicagoland area, which is where I'm from, or to come down here to Indianapolis, which is where my wife is kind of from, I guess she's from Muncie. But we decided she took a teaching job here in Indianapolis. And so we, we decided to stay here. And, and so I started with a company called Golden Rule Insurance Company. Golden Rule Insurance Company is very unique because uh, it's a family business. Started in Southern Indiana, was really kind of a pioneer in a lot of different areas. And, and you know, mainly they were a pioneer in medical savings accounts. And so medical savings accounts were a way to get people to, to have more self-directed money to spend on their health care. It was a predecessor to the health savings account. Mm-hmm. So they actively lobbied the administrations at the time. I think it was the Bush administration, the second Bush, to expand that into health savings accounts. So we were huge believers in, in that and kind of more of a, of a bare bones health insurance with a 
a pool of money that instead of putting into premium, which which insurance companies will just you know suck up, it's lost. Yeah, yeah. Put into premium unless you use it, it's it's pretty much gone. Right. To have more self directed money, so I can right. be a more active consumer. I can you know if, if if I'm spending my own money, maybe I'll be a more diligent consumer. Yeah, and this is all pre ACA. This is pre-Obamacare, oh, yeah. correct? Where it's the old catastrophic coverage. I'm going to buy just the worst case scenario insurance for pretty cheap. It's actually affordable coverage, and then put money away and let that grow. Exactly. Yeah. So my role at United, just to you know, keep you from the boring details, but my role was essentially to expand our direct consumer arm of our individual health insurance line, and so building a fairly large call center to be able to to kind of walk people's hands through the insurance purchasing process. We sold a lot of HSAs. We, we weren't, I mean, we were a little bit different because we weren't commissioned reps or my, my staff wasn't commissioned reps. We were paid a salary plus a, a bonus structure. So, so that kind of uh, allowed the, the people that I guess were holding the hands of the consumer to be able to direct that person, the plan that best fit them, not necessarily the ones that paid the most commission, if that made sense. Mm-hmm. And so we sold a lot of HSAs. They were lower premium. They made sense. You know, we were huge believers in health savings accounts. So, you know, that's kind of where it started. Little did I know that, you know, it, it was the, you know, the insurance companies and the hospital the hospitals that were really causing health costs to rise and making it completely non-transparent to be able to be an active consumer and be able to spend the money where you want. Sure. And so there needed to be kind of another, I guess, health healthcare had to expand and become more transparent for all of that to work. If I have a thousand bucks in my HSA, well, it doesn't matter as far as me being an active consumer because I don't know where to spend it. Right. I can't call up somebody and find out what the price of something is. I can't go on a website and find out what the price of something is. I can't price shop for something within the healthcare system. It's virtually impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you call into a doctor's office and ask, well, how much is this type of a visit? The answer you get back is it depends. And with somebody yeah. with a an HSA account who's diligently saving and looking, you know, putting money away, like they like it's a, it's a good idea to do it, right? Not just live paycheck to paycheck, but put money away for the uh, the rainy day scenario. Mm-hmm. But it would also help if you knew how much you're going to spend on any given day, any type of service medical service or yeah. And, and I've, I've been one of those people that have called uh, doctor's offices and got their cash price. <laughs> and it, sometimes it's accurate and sometimes I get balance billed and I, even before I call them and, and work out a cash price. So, I mean, just the healthcare system just isn't, isn't set up to work with health savings accounts. It's not, it's not working. It's not doing its intended purpose, right? Which is to make people active consumers to really drive prices lower. Well, it's, I think it's just a big uh, yeah behind it, behind a curtain essentially. It's a theme that resonates um, specifically on this show uh, and each of the guests that there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and the things that go on behind the scenes that we have no idea about. And so everyone's like, "Well, this doesn't function as a normal market." There's a lot of interference with it too. So, totally get it. So, fast forward in time just a little bit. So, you're selling HSAs to people, mm-hmm. and you're putting them in the Best fitting plans, which seems like a novel concept now because all you hear about the insurance industry is they just want to sell you the most expensive. They want to sell you as much insurance as possible because that's their comp structure. Sure. So let's fast forward real quick in your career to, oh, about 2008, 2009. The Affordable Care Act is coming down. What's it like in your company right before that passes, during the passage, and then after well, I would say it's it was mass chaos because nobody knew what exactly the rules were. 
So we had lots of staff meetings with our division CEO and he wouldn't even know they were, they were communicating directly with health and human services, I think at the time. Mm -hmm. And they had no idea what, how this would impact, how it's going to be rolled out. So it, you know, it wasn't an easy time. Nobody knew what was going on because the rules were being rewritten. You know, ultimately what happened at at my division of United healthcare is when the ACA uh, was enacted and when it finally went into place, it moved all, all of that, the business that we would have gotten to, to more marketplace business. So, you know, there's certain enrollment time it, it, periods that people so can individuals. Yeah. The individual mandate and people had to really hop on to, to these marketplace plans. And, and so from an insurance perspective, what happened was it just, it loaded these plans with benefits because then you can really strip, you know, if, if I just said I wanted to have a stripped down insurance plan, I don't need you know, coverage for this and that. I just need coverage if I go to the hospital or something like that. It, it kind of eliminated those types of plans. So therefore, mm-hmm. You know, premiums then started going up. It became very expensive, and 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 then people relied on the subsidies to really cover that cost. Right. And so then that's the government pitching in money to make make the plans more affordable. The taxpayer pitching in money. It was <laughs> not quite. The it cover. was. Yeah. I mean, it was, and and that's why all these insurance companies flocked to the individual side because they wanted to base, basically you know get these government subsidies. Mm-hmm. That's what enticed them into the individual side of health insurance. You know, ultimately, what happened was the subsidy. You know, there was there was pressure on premiums of subsidies and started to decrease. There was pressure on rate increases and that sort of thing. And here in, in Indiana, at least in a lot of different states, you saw a lot of companies pull out of the uh, of the marketplaces. And so, like here in Indiana, for someone looking to go in the marketplace, you have two options, and two of which I've never heard of. And they're expensive, and there's no competition. So actually, I did the opposite. It reduced the amount of competition and uh, really gave individuals no options. Mm-hmm. But it, but it essentially ruined the the business that I was in. Mm-hmm. So after the ACA passes, you mentioned that it ruined the business you were in. Mm-hmm. What happened to it? What form did it take? Well, uh, my division of United Healthcare became kind of a shell of itself. And what I was doing was selling anything outside of the individual insurance that the ACA would take care of through the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So like um, accident plans and those sort of things. And now that started to come back a little bit. Now they're selling a little bit more uh, of the individual short-term plans. That rule kind of came back in place where now they're selling short-term and doing other yeah, things. Like recent are, executive orders. Yeah, they're kind of going those. outside of the ACA yeah. now. So, But for me personally, you know, I'll never go back into insurance again. I, you know, I'm not saying it was a highly um, satisfactory place to be for me at least, but it was a good way for me to kind of understand you know, healthcare from one perspective. So mm-hmm. I'm learning it from another completely opposite perspective now too, but it's good to have that knowledge kind of going back and looking at that. You know, I was able to, to really build, uh, you know, a great team and I have a lot of, a lot of people that, you know, I kind of uh, coach through and then I still keep, keep in touch with that are doing, you know, successful things today. So. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Just the passage of that legislation. And when you mentioned that nobody had any idea what was happening, I mean, that's powerful stuff. Just you mentioned transparency too, or the lack thereof. Yeah. And then when it comes out on the other side of it, this entire business, all these lives are affected and just basically boom, gone, vanished. Can't do business anymore with an HSA. You can't make those personalized policies anymore. Everything has to be this uh, robust, expensive, just a lot of noise. It's a lot of just a lot of overkill and, and yeah. really limited the, the amount of choice that an individual has. Yeah. You know, I think insurance is a very complicated subject. For individuals, people just don't understand it. And quite frankly, a lot of people in insurance don't understand insurance. And, you know, the amount of it's really hard to compare apples to oranges, I guess, in the case where you have different insurance coming from different companies that have different 
levels of coverage or different things kind of in the fine print. You know, in the ACA and one and one on on the other hand kind of helped that because it standardized the choice, just made things really expensive. Mm-hmm. So individuals had to rely on those subsidies. Quite frankly, I don't know hardly anybody that can afford insurance on the on the individual market through the marketplaces without the subsidy, which is insane. Right. So. right. Right. Absolutely. So fast forward and now you're a happy direct primary care patient. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, you, you met some, some crazy brothers who had this idea of uh, helping physicians yeah, start a bunch I of emphasize crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a fine line between uh, crazy and genius. Just want everybody okay. to understand that All one. Right, yeah. Well. So fast forward. So you see this cool model and obviously you're a believer in it. Um, three years in the, in the, in freedom health works in the model here. I want to talk a little bit about what your experience has been being a patient within a direct primary care practice. Well, I'm going to go back just a little bit and try to connect the dots here. So healthcare is a great place for somebody to be in if you're looking to solve a problem because there's a ton of problems to be able to solve. The hardest part sure. is having the, you know, being able to solve the problem, but it's fun trying to figure out how to solve it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think for me, at least, you know, I kind of went through a, you know, a few paths before I connected my time at Golden Rule Insurance Company, which is United Healthcare to, you know, to Freedom HealthWorks. You know, ultimately what we're trying to do is solve a problem. And that's exciting to me. I mean, it's, it's something that's real. It's something that I think that we can do. And it's, it's not, that, not that difficult of an idea to implement. Now, implementation may be a little bit hard, but, um, you know, I think we're getting there. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a whole different world than what I experienced now, I, it's a little bit different for me because, you know, I know my direct primary care really well. He was our first client, you know, and, and Dr. Patel and I have become friends over time. So, um, you know, we have a little bit stronger relationship, but I think it, it kind of goes down the same path what most people experience, which is it's kind of odd in a satisfying way where it's not, you know, DPC solves an access issue mm-hmm. where, you know, before I'm not going to name names who my doctors were before, but, um, you know, it was hard getting in touch with the doctor. You know, if there's something that happened that was outside of scheduling an appointment, it's like impossible to get in touch with a doctor. You leave a message and probably get a call back from a nurse. You can't talk to the doctor. Yep. Just how healthcare system is. But now, you know, the access is solved. I have direct access to my physician. And the satisfyingly odd part that I had to get used to was the relationship piece. Now I know my doctor really well and, and I could talk to him about anything. I was, you know, my wife and I were on the keto diet at one point and Dr. Patel and I just kind of sat down and started talking about diet. Mm-hmm. and ways to maximize that and things to look out for and all that. So you just have to know how to take advantage of that and know that there's no bounds, I guess, when you're working with a, a physician and the DPC side of things. But, you know, th- that's the satisfying part. And I say it's odd and odd in a good way because you're just not used to it. Mm-hmm. People just aren't conditioned in the traditional healthcare system to talk to their doctors about that because doctors are trying to get you out the door. Or you're having to wait forever to get there and you're kind of annoyed at that point where they finally call you in and you want to get it over with. You just want to get back. So that, I guess that summarizes my experience of direct primary care. Big component of what you were just saying was the relationship that you're able to build with your physician. Mm-hmm. And that's something we hear a lot from other patients. So I don't think you're alone by any means. And that's one of the cool things about direct primary care is that you, know, you can have that conversation about nutrition. You can have those conversations about anything and everything underneath the sun. And it's a comfort level too. So you actually know your physician, you know, they're going to be there. It's not just dial a doc where you're going down a list and trying to figure out who can see you next. Mm -hmm. So how do you interact with your, how do you actually use it? Because that was one thing you said of it's, it's a change in habit almost for a patient 
to understand and be able to use this to take full advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, this is a very revolutionary concept, but I talk to him <laughs> and, and, but I have the time to talk and he has the time to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, in all seriousness though, I, my relationship with Dr. Patel is different because I, I see him often, even outside of sure. seeing him as a physician. But you know, if there's something that happens, I message him and he messages me right back. And, and, and I don't, it's not like I use, you know, I really use them all that often, but you know, it, it, there's a, I guess, um, you know, there's a, a security feeling knowing that I have him available to me when I need him. Mm-hmm. And it's real, you know, he, he's extremely reasonable price. I get a ton of value out of it just in the little, little bit that I use it, but I do interact with him via virtual means mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And when I do interact, you know, that's kind of the first step is to find out, well, where, where do we go next? Mm-hmm. So, but it's good knowing that, you know, he's on the other side for me that I know, well, if he says, no, don't worry about it. Okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. He says, well, you know, this is probably something serious. I know that I probably go see him tomorrow. And that answer is coming almost in a matter of minutes. Yeah. He's really good about that. So I don't have to worry about yeah, which is again, a totally on. novel concept within yeah. the traditional healthcare system too. Was there any um, moment when you first joined a DPC practice where the thought crossed your mind of, oh, I, I should ask my doctor about this, but I don't want to bother him. Uh, I mean, not necessarily again, because I don't luckily knock on wood, you know, I'm not extremely sick person. Mm. I, you know, I, I feel like I, I, you know, I don't use this time probably enough. So it's probably the opposite. Yeah, no, we, we, we actually hear that a lot from patients is we have something, they have something on their mind or some type of issue. And they're like, well, I don't want to bother this, this uh, doctor on a evening or in the middle of the day, lunch hour, weekend. Yeah. And then we find out, we hear that from the physician that they call them back and we're almost yelling at them saying, you're paying for my services. Call me, text me, email me. Don't wait. But I do know a situation, I, you know, I had, I had a friend, um, well, acquaintance, somebody I knew that needed a DPC doctor because they just, they were stressed out and couldn't sleep. Wow. And so I referred him to Dr. Patel and, and really I think that's the outlet that that person needed. Yeah. Just somebody there. Yeah. Somebody answer questions and say, Hey, well, it's going to be okay. It, you go through the traditional healthcare system and you have to go through, you have to really jump through hoops to see a doctor and you're you typically probably are going to see a doctor that doesn't know you very well. So, you know, that's the tough part about it. And they, they don't have the time to listen to you and, and right. understand exactly what the problem is. They're just, you know, and I always thought this was the fault of the doctor back in my insurance days, but I found out this isn't the fault of the doctor. It's the fault of the system, but they, you know, traditional doctors just, you know, don't have enough time. They just write a script because that's all the time they have because they have patients that are backing up and their, their paychecks are, and they have administrators breathing on their breathing down their necks about uh, their visit times and all kinds of other garbage that they have to deal with besides being a doctor. So Mm -hmm. we're almost out of time for this episode. So let me ask you this. Is there anything about your DPC experience as a patient that, you don't like is it all positives i'd say it's all i mean there's really nothing not to like um you know i found the doctor that i really trust that knows me that i i like a lot you know the cost isn't necessarily a a problem because it's all reasonable it's extremely reasonable you know i think for some people you have to prioritize you know it's like 50 or 60 dollars a month and that should take precedent over a lot of different other bills that i have or or luxuries that i i would have so Mm -hmm. You know, the cost isn't a concern. I wish his office is probably a little bit closer, but. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. There's one thing there that can go. be yeah. improved upon. Well, it's like first world problems. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Jason, we're going to have you back uh, on the next one. Get a little bit more into the discussion about 
employers and how employees can be patients too, which is a really cool subject that I know we want to talk about a bunch, but that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks for coming in again. And thanks for telling your story about being a patient um, and all the background stuff. It's an absolutely fascinating story to see the evolution of the health insurance industry and then your personal experiences with that and how you've totally flipped and come basically on the cash membership side of it um, and a true believer and true patient of, of direct primary care. So thanks for coming and talking to us. Thanks again for having me. Not a problem. Once again, thanks for listening to Healthcare Americana. It's going to do it for tonight's episode. If you'd like more information about direct primary care, always welcome to visit freedomhealthworks.com. Don't forget to subscribe, share this podcast with all your friends and family on whatever device or app you're listening to. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Healthcare Americana. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podchaser, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends and colleagues to download and listen to all Healthcare Americana shows at freedomhealthworks.com. 